0: Father, thank you, Lord God, for, for this morning. Lord, thank you for this weekend and the, and the great gifts that you have given to us in, Lord, in our hearts, in softening our hearts, Lord, in tilling up fallow ground. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this morning, bless the teaching of your word, Lord, the preaching of your word. I pray that it would be good in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Numbers 12. And uh, to give a little context for what we're going to read this morning. Well, first, when we read the scripture and when I'm going to preach this morning, I want you to be particularly attentive as we go through God's word. And Realize that the words that I say in the illustrations—they're a garnish to God's word, and God's word—I am afraid that we gloss over. Our eyes kind of glaze, and uh, and stop. Humble yourself. Listen to God's word, and uh, be particularly attentive when I'm reading. Okay, so let's read. Um, this is the context of what we're going to read this morning. We're we're talking about Moses. It's up there. We're talking about uh, Miriam and Aaron. The context of this is Moses is bringing a people out of Egypt, and they are whiny. They're complaining. God's given them so many great gifts. He's taking them away from a bloodthirsty people who wanted to kill their children it's taking them out of that place and given and dumped his vengeance on those people. And those people willingly gave the Hebrews gold. Please go. Please go away, gold. You know? It's an amazing gift. Absolutely amazing gift that God's given him. He's He's parted the oceans for them to pass through, and then, just so that the world can know, the ocean falls back on his enemies, and the Hebrews danced and sang, and Miriam led the, led the procession, okay? Miriam led, so some context this morning. Also some context, right before what we're talking about here this morning, we have the people of God, we have the Israelites, they have food from God and it's bread from heaven and it's just on the ground. They just pick up the food and they're complaining and they're whining and they want meat. And in the previous chapter, God gave them quail and it says that that while the quail was still between their teeth, that he um, his anger, the Lord's anger burned against them. It burned against them, and he struck them with a plague. And this is Moses. He's he's leading a people who are stubborn and, and difficult and given so much and yet are so ungrateful. And we have Miriam and Aaron, and what are Miriam and Aaron? Who are they? They're brother and sister. They're Moses' brother and sister. And they're also co-workers. Okay? And the family the family business is, is the the ministry of God. Okay? If I can say it's the family business. Okay? So it's his family and it's his co-workers. And he's just dealt with the people murmuring against him. And we come to this. So let's read. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And to give um, some context here. uh, Maybe some of you have a similar situation in your family. Right? I... uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about a cousin of mine, Hananiel, okay, and he's an Indian, and he came to the lily white Cincinnati family, my mom's side of the family, and amongst, amongst all of us is this dark red Hananiel, and, and with all of the smells that come with that, <laughs> the curry, right, that just doesn't, and I'm not afraid to tell. It's it just doesn't come out of anything. I go into my, my cousin Rachel's home and there's curry everywhere. And it was scandalous. Right? It was scandalous. Well think of that ten tenfold. You have the Israelites and everything about them. And this isn't kosher. Right? We even we even keep their word today for their for our for our use. Right? Selfishly. It's not kosher. Okay? He has a Cushite woman. There's a blemish on the family. And he's looking at these people, he's, and they're looking at their brother and saying, hmm, this is kind of a, uh, a blemish on our family and on our ministry. Right? Okay? So they asked two hypotheticals. Let's read them. Okay? And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Boom. Woo, 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 woo. You should be thinking, ex- you should be thinking, who, who says that? Who is the first one to say this, the first part of this? Question. What? Satan, Satan is. The serpent in the garden said this. Has the Lord indeed Spoken. Only through Moses. Okay? And what's the answer? Okay? It's a hypothetical. They're always really simple, right? Okay? The hypothetical, the answer is no, of course not. Of course not. The Lord hasn't spoken just through Moses. So that's what we're left with, and we're going to follow their train of thought a little bit. Has he not spoken through us as well? has he not spoken through us as well? What's the answer to that? Of course. Of course he has. Miriam is a prophetess. Okay? And and Aaron is the high priest. Of course the Lord has spoken through them. Of course. But that's not what they're really getting at. This is a deception. This is a train of thought, a logical progression that's meant to lead us astray from the truth. And it's high up, isn't it? It's high up. It's Miriam and Aaron and Moses and there's a heresy and a a, a conflict. Right? And they look at Moses and they say there's a blemish on Moses and we don't have that blemish. We don't have that blemish. What is this sin? There's a sin here, and it's pretty obvious. What's a sin? What? Jealousy? Jealousy, yeah, a kind of pride. It's a, they're proud. They're proud. They, they covet what Moses has, right? They covet what Moses has. And the Lord heard it. And then there's a parenthetical statement, and I love parenthetical statements because I think that so many amazing things in life are done between those little brackets. You know, so many things are really explained, okay? Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, you three, come out of the tent of meeting. So the three of them came out. Okay? So I was watching something really interesting recently, and it's about uh, it was about brain chemistry. About brain chemistry. And there was apparently, so the idea is anyway, what they're trying to figure out is that there's a lobe in your brain or you know there's a chunk of gray matter in there and it's really deep okay it's really deep down inside and it's it's a piece of the brain that only gets activated when something really novel happens something new okay and they say the idea is that uh, this is the reason why as we get older, time seems to go by faster, okay? Because we don't have as many novel experiences, and, and as we tend to repeat experiences, you know, time, that, that our time sense isn't stretched out like when we're young, right? And, and it's the reason, this is the reason it's so deep down inside, it's the reason that you, it's the reason I'm not going to forget speaking this morning, for one. And it's the reason that you likely don't forget the first time you got in trouble at school, right? Or at home school, whatever equivalent, right? When you were sent to the principal's office or whatever equivalent there is in the home school world, right? When you were sent to the principal's office, and I think most all of us can appreciate that. Um, and I remember I remember a time, I remember Mrs. Poland. And Mrs. Poland, and the only reason, the only reason I remember Mrs. Poland, a whole year I spent with Mrs. Poland in grade school, and I don't remember a thing about her but this, because something fired in there, right? She sent me out to the hall. She sent me out to the hall. And I remember sitting out in the hall, and I still, I still remember the shame and I can still taste the pit in my stomach from being sent out to the hall for Mrs. Poland, okay? And Mrs. Poland waited until uh, I sat out in the hall at Harvard Elementary School in Toledo, Ohio, and I sat in the hall for a while. Um, And when it was convenient for Mrs. Poland to stop teaching... And to address Ben, she opened the door, and she closed the door, and she came, she she crouched down, and she said, she said, Ben, it must be really fun to sit next to you. You and your friends seem to have a lot of fun. You guys talk. You have a lot of fun. That's great. She said, she said, but you're interrupting my class, You're interrupting my class. And you're going to sit out here until I think it's right for you to come back. Okay? And I remember Mrs. Poland. Okay? I remember Mrs. Poland. And here it is. The Lord has just called Aaron and Miriam and Moses out of the tent of meeting. And it's not the call of a... Know, 60-something primary ed woman who loves her kids and wants to put a little sugar with her negative reinforcement, right? It's the call of God. God himself called them out. He called them out. And all of the, all of the implications of that phrase. He called them out, right? Called them out. (coughs) This is almighty God. Do you think the neurons were firing in that lobe? Do you think they were firing in that lobe? Do you think that Miriam and Aaron had a terror and a horror at being called out of the tent? They did. Then the Lord came down in a pillar... Of cloud, and stood at the doorway of the tent, and he called Aaron and Miriam. When they had both come forward, he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision, I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all his household. With him I speak mouth to mouth or face to face, right? But I like mouth to mouth. I like that translation because it gives this vision, I think, of a man who's dying on a beach, okay? And God comes, right? And he speaks with a mouth to mouth. Even openly and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? Wow. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Miriam, Aaron, don't you understand? Don't you get it? Moses is humble. Moses is humble. His humility and my my relationship with him, they're like this. They're like this. If he was proud, we wouldn't be like this. I wouldn't talk with him face to face. If he was proud, he wouldn't get that. Because when I come to talk to somebody, there's no room for them anymore. There's no room for your pride. When I come and dwell with you, when I come to the temple that is your body, there's no room for your pride anymore. There's no room for you in that most holy place. So the anger of the Lord burned against them and he departed. But when the cloud had withdrawn from over the tent, now you know this is bad because he just left. He didn't say anything else. The Lord just left. He had his peace, and he didn't hear excuses, and he left. Behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. As Aaron turned toward Miriam, behold, she was leprous. Aaron knows it. So we stop and we say, why? Why was Aaron not leprous? Why didn't Aaron get this leprosy? Okay, why was it just Miriam? It doesn't seem fair. Aaron came. He was complaining, you know. And, And you forget whose job it is to declare Miriam unclean. Whose job is it to declare her unclean? What's that? It's the high priest's job. It's Aaron's job. Somebody's got to declare her unclean. Lord willing, when she's cleansed, someone's got to declare her clean again so she can come back and join us all. Right? He knows. This isn't lost on Aaron. He knows. He knows that it is his sin as well as hers that has brought her to this state. And I don't know who I'd rather not be right now. Okay? Then Aaron said to Moses, oh, my Lord, he's, saying, he's, talk, he's talking to Moses here, okay? Oh, my Lord, I beg you, do not account this sin to us in which we have acted foolishly and in which we have sinned. Oh, do not let her be like one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes from his mother's womb. This is repentance, okay? Aaron is repenting. He's repenting. And what would it be natural to assume Moses would say? What would it be natural to assume Moses would say? It might be natural to assume that he'd say, okay, okay. Alright? We're going to sit on this a while. Alright? You guys, did you see anything of what happened last week? Were you guys here when they were complaining about the, the food? Have you, were you there when he parted the Red Sea? You know? And you're heaping this, my best friends, my family. You're heaping this on me now? This is bad timing. Miriam, why don't you just go think about this? And we'll pray for you in a couple of days. You know, We'll pray to, for you in a week. Go think about it. No. Moses is the most humble man on the face of the earth. And what does Moses respond with? What's his? <laughs> it's a hypothetical, Judah. Or not Judah. What does Moses respond with? It's simple. Moses cried out to the Lord saying, Oh God, heal her, I pray. That's it. That's all he said. And it was immediate. What a humble man. What a humble man Moses is. It's absolutely beautiful. And God did. God waited seven days. He would be treated as holy and he would teach his people and all his people would sit in the desert in the wilderness and wait for Miriam to get well before they left and he would be treated holy and he would teach them but he listened to Moses and he healed Miriam isn't that wonderful isn't that beautiful kill your pride Kill your pride. The Lord will give you whatever you need to kill your pride. Whatever humbling circumstance you possibly could ask for, he's got them for you. They're ready, right? He can send leprosy, in Miriam's case, right? Maybe he sends cancer. Maybe he sends... Maybe he sends in Moses' case disgruntled a a flock of disgruntled people that he has to lead. And 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 difficult family members. Maybe he sends to you something, some simple thing. Maybe a really, really nice neighbor. Maybe that's what it takes to humble you, right? But humble yourself. Humble yourself. He'll give you whatever it takes. He'll give you a sword, okay? And he'll pin down your pride. And your bodies are a temple to the Lord, okay? And your pride knows no bounds. And it can go anywhere it wants to. Your pride has no bounds, and so you can give it no quarter, right? Right? It's like Joab clinging to the horns of the altar, right? How dare he? How dare he go into the altar of the Lord? And the Lord hands you a sword, and he says, go and kill your pride. And you say, that's the, that's the really nice place. That's where I'm going to let you sit. And it's going to get blood all over in there, right? Right? If I kill my pride, it's going to get messy in there. You really want me to go in there? And God says, Sure. Go in there. I like you to do the killing blow. Generally, that's what I'm going to have you do. And He gives you the sword, and you're expected to go in there and kill your pride. And we do it a lot, right? And He says, Don't worry about the blood. I'll have somebody come in and clean it up later. I'll have your brothers and sisters in Christ. They can come clean it up later. You know? Or maybe I'll just go sit, sit in there right on top of your dead pride. Right? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Kill your pride. Humble yourself. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be humble. Lord God, that that you would humble us, that we would know that we are sinners. And Lord, therefore, that sinners would be in this place. Lord, and that we would fill the seats with sinners. And Lord, I pray that this repentance would be granted to us and that you would give us humility, and that our pride would not reign over us. Lord God, we pray that you would be glorified. Lord, please bless our worship. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.